guys, thanks for listening. This is the third episode of Repeat. And today I'm excited because I got to interview Maggie Childs. Maggie is the founder and publisher of the Metropole magazine, a magazine for expats in Vienna. And if you want to find out more, check out metropole.at. We were talking about Maggie's magic mornings and a lot more. So stay with us and enjoy. Hey Maggie, how are you doing today? Great, I'm glad you invited me. Yeah, welcome to Repeat and I'm gonna jump straight into the first question. Fantastic. So Maggie, what's your morning routine? My morning routine? Um, well, a couple of years ago after I realized that, that the hours in the day just weren't really enough <laughs> to get everything done that I need to get done and keep my sanity, I started doing this thing that I called my magic morning, <laughs> uh, which kind of gave me kind of two hours in the morning. So from six to eight, where I had a very strict regimen of like, I, you know, you get up first thing is I drank like half a liter of water to kind of wake myself up a little and, you know, brush my teeth then did some yoga. Then uh, I would, I also made this kind of rule that it'd take, I would set a timer and do kind of 20 minutes uh first of of just writing and kind of kind of a brain dump of kind of the things that were on my mind to just usually it's a little bit about the day before or the things that were concerning me and um then I would take 20 minutes and just read a little uh the reading thing is also really important for me because I, I work in media so uh being on top of what's going on is pretty important to start the day off right <laughs> And, wow. uh, <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, um, then I would get into the whole making myself look presentable. Um, that used to be a lot more difficult than it is now. I, I cut my hair short and that takes a half an hour off that routine. Um, <laughs> but, but, Sweet. uh, that's basically it. And then as soon as I'm ready to go, I have breakfast and, uh, and that usually consists of coffee. So that's not really breakfast, but I, I make a kind of a ritual out of it. And then uh, I usually get going to either the office or my first appointment. Sweet. Great. That sounds like a fantastic routine. And uh, Maggie, how often or like how good are you at actually keeping on to that or sticking to that, that routine every morning? That is an excellent question because it's, uh, it's actually, I started doing this in 2017. And at the time it was really a... Um, I, yeah, it was it was a really kind of drastic measure for me to 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 I don't know feel feel like I owned the day a little more and not feeling stressed and rushed and really taking those two hours for myself. And then I was really religious about it. So I I for about the first six months I I never let a day go by without the routine. On the weekends I would do it a couple hours later. Uh, usually I would really take six months probably that, that I was really religious about it. And I did it every single day. And then um, on the weekends, I would do it a couple hours later, but uh, recently it's been uh, a little bit different. Uh, my, my situation's changed a little bit because um, I'm also have a different partner in my life and it used to be something that I did completely alone. But since my partner also yeah. gets up early, uh, part of that routine it kind of involves him now. So <laughs> that's uh, that's nice as well. It makes it a little different, but uh, but it's also it's also nice to be kind of yeah doing it together with someone else. 
Sweet. So he's also part of that morning routine now. Yeah, particularly the yoga part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Great. <laughs> cool. Um, and you, you mentioned you the last thing you said about your morning routine was having a quick coffee and uh, going right to your to your office or uh, to a meeting. So let me let me ask you what's what's your job? What do you actually do all day? So I'm the CEO of a media company and the publisher of its main product, which is a magazine and community called Metropole. Uh, we, our, our target market or our, our customers and readers are international people that uh, basically don't come from where they live. And uh, in the case of Vienna, where my hometown is, is people who live in Vienna who come from somewhere else. So... That's for Vienna's numbers. That's about 340,000 people uh, that don't speak German all that well and uh, speak English very well. And so we try to help them, first of all, feel more at home, but also uh, kind of be, be the insiders despite not being born in Vienna. So that's that's basically what what Metropole does. And uh Yeah, Metropole, it's, it's, it's a magazine. We started out as a magazine. It grew into kind of much more. We do uh, the magazine, but we also do a lot of on online content, and we do events every month uh, to bring the community together, and it's just grown exponentially over the last four years. And uh, that, of course, also means that, that my job has changed and grown and morphed <laughs> into different things. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my job is a little bit, I guess, like every CEO, you have to know how to do a little bit of everything, but you're not the best at any of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, I'll, I'll quote you on that. <laughs> Brilliant. And Maggie, what made you, what made you start Metropole? Like, how did you come up with that? Well, um, I'm, I guess I, it was a little bit of, of, uh, of my own, my own experience. My mother was actually kind of my ideal customer, so to say. She, uh, she moved from New York to Vienna when I was about 12 and, uh, she was, you know, in her early forties and, uh, was, uh, spoke not a word of German, uh, had two little kids or teenage kids and, uh, and was a single mom and had a new job in a new country where she didn't speak the language and had no network and knew nobody. So, uh, and Metropole did not exist back then. And she had a pretty, pretty hard time at the beginning. I mean, she was, she was, she's always inspired me because she was able to kind of figure it all out and make her way, but effort and a lot of optimism and a lot of, you know, uh, character strength to, to get there. And I For think sure. not everybody, Yeah, and, and just not everybody has that, that kind of optimism in the, in the character that she had of kind of, you know, never say die. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, so that was, that was basically, I, I always felt like there should be something there that people can rely on and fall back on. And starting with a magazine is mostly because that's uh, what I know how to do. I've been working in media since I was 19, and I, I really, I, I feel like, when people identify with uh, a media brand, it says a lot, first of all, about who they think they are, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but also, also about what kind of, what kind of people they like to spend time with, what kind of things they like to do with their life. And I think those are the things that define you um, when you want to feel at home and want to feel settled. And that's why we started with the media brand. 
Very cool. E- excellent brand, uh, by the way. Um, Thank you very much. <laughs> I actually, actually remember I went to the Metropole launch, launch party. Uh, oh, when, yeah, when you first back started. in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you and I didn't really know what was going on, but I thought <laughs> that's actually, as a party, it sounds like a really cool name. Let's, let's see what's behind it. And yeah, very, very cool journey so far. Oh, cool. I had no idea you were there. That's great. Oh, I mean, we, we, we met years later, I guess. So Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Cool. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue with a little section that is, for those of you who listen in for the first time, is a thing that I'm really passionate about, a thing that I call Like You, which is a section in my podcast where I want to ask people like you, Maggie, about their job and how you actually got there. So how does someone become not only a CEO and founder of a magazine, but a publisher? And how does somebody do what you do? Well, um, I can tell you one thing. I did not know I was going to do what I do before I did what I'm doing. Um, So (laughs) I I think it's important if you're setting out to start something, uh, whether whether it's opening a restaurant or founding uh, the next TikTok or whatever, um, I think it's important to be very humble um, and and be curious and humble and realize and, and open to learning about the things that you don't know how to do. I think that's super important. Um, I, I myself uh, certainly underestimated the amount of uh stress and learning that I would have to do in order to do what I'm doing now um and and I I learn I learn more every day and realize how little I know again and again <laughs> so it doesn't stop and uh and that's it's really important not to be afraid of that and to just kind of embrace uh changes and and growth in in a very positive way otherwise it'll it'll bury you a little bit um but I think, I think the main thing also is, is finding, finding ways to, to, you know, understand, understanding what you're going to be doing also means listening a lot. So when I first started out, for instance, I, you know, I studied, I studied philosophy of economics. So it's not exactly, <laughs> not exactly what you study when you want to start a company. Um, so when I, and I, and I worked in journalism and I was an editor and things like that. So when we started the company, I realized very quickly that, or when, even way before we were starting the company, about six months beforehand, I, I saw the mountain of knowledge that I didn't have. And I was like, okay, I got to get moving on this. So I signed up for a crash course in sales management, um, because (laughs) I found out that sales is very important if you want to make profits. Um, and (laughs) And so I did a crash course, a three-month crash course in sales management at the university. And then I, I, I bought the 17 most recommended books on leadership and management and team building and all of these things. Um, because while I had been an editor, which means you, you, know, you have your team of writers that you are in charge of and, and you, you know, guide them through things, I had never managed people that weren't writers in a in a scope that was more than writing. So it was all very, very new to me. And yeah, that's why what I said before is something I can just repeat over and over again. And I have to remind myself also to stay humble uh, about all the things that I have yet to learn. (laughs) 
Great. Uh, great answer, Maggie. On the, on the books, you mentioned you read how many? 15 books? Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Management? In like, yeah, in like <laughs> six months, there was like 20 books altogether. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff. <laughs> that's, more, that's more books that I, that I have read in total before I started my first company. <laughs> so that's, wow. that's Everybody learns differently. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the other thing, but, though, that I forgot to say is that uh, talking <laughs> to people who already do what you're planning to do. So yeah. it, even if it's something like everyone thinks they have an idea that no one's done before, right? But there are always people out there you can learn from who've done something similar or part of what you're doing or have gone through similar things. And, and yeah, meeting with people and asking them questions and listening carefully and learning from them is very valuable. Totally. Great of us. Um, and back, just back to the books for a second. Um, <laughs> do you have a one, one book recommendation for our listeners? Today. One book. Oh gosh, um, one book is is, is difficult. I well, you can actually, also give no. me seventeen if you want. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I have a couple. I mean, there's one really classic book. Is if you're if you're just kind of at the beginning of 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 your founding process and you want to become more efficient and better at you know time management and all of these things, it's a classic. It's it is it is a little bit preachy, but it's helpful. I think. Um, to anyone, it's the seven habits of highly effective people. I know that's a very cliche thing, but uh, I actually read that book for the first time when I was like 17 or 18 because um, someone left it at my house and I uh, I really liked it. And I reread it a bunch of times during university. And and I, I think I think that those habits are very no matter what you do in your life are are really, really helpful to keep in mind. I mean, there are things like seek first to understand, uh, to understand the other person and then to be understood when you're negotiating, for instance, mm. or, you know, these kind of, these kind of habits that you, if, if you make them kind of your mantra, they'll help you no matter what. That was a good yeah. one. Um, but as, as a, for startups particularly, but also any, any company that wants to grow fast, I think the term startups can be sometimes a little bit problematic because people don't know how to define it. But any company that wants to grow quickly uh, and, and, and is seeking investment and is, and is doing something new or, or you know, trying out a, a new target market, the book that I think is the absolute best book I have ever read is The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Yeah, it's, that's a good one. It's a really good one. I think he does yeah. a very good job at breaking things down and, um, and also, yeah, being very honest about his bad decisions, good decisions, and how he dealt with them. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> this really sounds like you always, uh, always wanted to be an entrepreneur and always wanted to be a CEO. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, <laughs> oh, because of the 17-year-olds looking at the book. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 like, I like, when I was a kid, I used to direct plays and stuff um, at home. Like, my friends would come over and we would, like, we would we would put on musicals and things like that, and I always liked the idea of of kind of I don't know doing things together with a bunch of people. I don't know making yeah. a bunch of people do something awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, what what's what was your first like dream job then? When I was a kid, uh, my very first dream job was that I wanted to be an archaeologist because I thought that Indiana Jones was really cool. But okay. um, but my dad told me that Indiana Jones is not what archaeologists actually do usually, and he said it has, oh, really? more, yeah, it has a lot more to do with you know taking Shit. a toothbrush and scrubbing a bone or something like this. Oh. 
and I then lost interest quite quickly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the second second thing I guess was in ever since I was a kid, I I did ballet, um, and I. I really, really loved dancing and I loved being on stage and just generally that whole, that whole theater crowd and all the people that are involved in theater and dance and musical theater and all that stuff were just magical to me and I always wanted to be part of it. And uh, I also, when I was a teenager, I got into a pretty prestigious uh, ballet uh, troupe and that was really great. And then one summer I had a big growth spurt and uh, I got really tall and I uh, yeah I basically grew out of <laughs> I grew out of the ensemble size that you're supposed to be and I just I really wasn't good enough to be a prima or or any kind of soloist so um, and my, my chore- the choreographer and uh, ballet coach that we had was also had no problem telling me that I wasn't good enough <laughs> he was oh, he was okay. very very clear about that um, yeah, no, I was completely heartbroken and devastated and it was, and of course I could have gone, you know, into musical theater or done something else with that, but I just, yeah, I felt pretty broken after that whole thing. So, uh, being, being, being a ballerina was, was pretty cool. It also has a lot to do with kind of self-discipline and you have to be a little bit crazy to want to do that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, once, once that dream kind of died, I was about 17 when that happened. Same time when I read that book, seems like that must've been a pretty yeah. cataclysmic year. Um, totally. yeah, I, I, I got pretty, pretty sad, but my mom, mm-hmm. uh, told me she, she saw like when I came back from the audition for that year and I told her that I was out of the ensemble and blah, blah, blah. And I was crying for like a week and she was like, you know, Maggie, you're, you're good at a lot of things, you know, this is not the only thing that you were good at. And I'm like, but I'm not even good at this. And I get all tragic. And she's like, no, but just, just find something that one of the things you're good at and concentrate on it and see if someone will give you money for it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the, that's the main, main thing if you're talking about profession, because you can spend your time doing whatever you want, but totally. if you want to pick a profession, find something you're good at that someone will pay you for that you like doing. Totally. That's, that's perfect advice to find what you actually want to want to do, because it's not always what you think you want to do, but it has to also match with what other people need. Right. Yeah. And, and what they think you do well, exactly. And, and it feels really good to be appreciated. That was the other thing. Like as a dancer, I was never the best. I was good. I wasn't mm. bad, but I was never the best and not being the best is frustrating. Look at anyone who lives, who wins a silver medal in the Olympics, you know, they're mm. never happy. And because it's not gold, right? And so sure. if, you, if you're that kind of a person, uh, it's, yeah, it's important to be honest with yourself about what people appreciate you for because it's terrible to do something you love and not be appreciated. That's, uh, yeah, that's true. And that actually makes me think what is what is next? Like, it seems like for you, you, you've reached a state where you are very happy with what you do. Whenever I meet you, you're full of energy. You're excited about your, your project. You're excited about new things. What will be next for you? Well, um, I, I started this whole thing in Vienna and the idea behind it has also kind of grown into something bigger than it was at the beginning. I, uh, I always, I always felt like 
people needed someone on their side when they move around the around the globe. And I don't have to tell people in the startup world uh, there are going to be more and more people moving around the globe because of various mm-hmm. talent shortages in the places where companies are. Um, and uh, and I think it's important that those people have a brand that they can rely on, a person that they can rely on. Um, and so what we want to do now is starting, and the plan now is to start in 2021, is to start expanding to new cities. And so now we have, uh, with the brand Metropole, so we have Metropole Vienna in English is now the first one. And so the next couple ones will be Metropole Barcelona in English, Metropole Tel Aviv in English, Metropole Zurich in English, Prague in English, maybe maybe Cape Town in English, maybe Johannesburg in English. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I don't have to do it in English in that case, but it's more yeah. it's more the idea of helping people settle in. You know, we have two kind of slogans. Uh, I mean, our hashtag is don't be a stranger, which I think is important not to feel like a stranger. But the other one is uh, live here like you were born here. And I think that's something that, Anyone who's lived somewhere where they don't speak the language or don't know the culture can can really empathize with as they want to just have all the have all the good feeling that people have about a place when they were born there. Yeah, that is powerful. And it is really hard, especially when you move to a new place where you have no friends, no network. You don't really know what what you are actually doing. And yeah. I think every everything that can kickstart your experience and Make that whole process. I mean, it comes naturally, right? You won't be in a new city for 10 years without any friends. But, you know, if you'd you could... be surprised. I mean, some people are very isolated. And, mm. and it's the other thing is if you, uh, I mean, I think in the startup world, it's a little different because we get out a lot and we, you know, there's a lot of socializing and things. But, True. I mean, imagine you work at an international organization or a big corporate like PwC or, or, or you know, one of those, one of those globals. Uh, I don't know, a pharma company, Johnson & Johnson, one of those kind of things. And the only people you meet are the people from work and their spouses. And, uh, and you just spend your free time with them. And the only people you meet otherwise are maybe the parents of the kids at your kid's school. You know, <laughs> like these are, these are, it's a very small world, a very small bubble that they live in a lot. And yeah, it's, I think they need someone to help them get out. And also, I think a lot of the people feel like when it comes to the bureaucracy stuff, I'm sure you had to go through a lot of that when you move, mm-hmm. um, getting visas and things. Um, you know, they don't really trust. They don't feel like the government is on their side if they're from somewhere else. So it's important that they have somebody who knows what they're doing or a brand or a place that they can go where, where they know, yeah, this person or this, these people know what they're doing and they can help me, but they're not the government. And I think that's really important for it to be kind of a, a separate world of support. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it that trust in something, you know, that, that mm-hmm. trust in, in, a, in a stranger or the trust in, a as you said, a government is really something you come to a new place and you have the first thing you have to do is trying to get a visa and to stay there. So you kind of already feel like you are not welcome. You know? Yeah, exactly. You're feeling tested. Exactly. <laughs> and we want to help people feel like, feel like they, they, they have it all in their hands and they have it all under control and they can do it. Sweet. Thanks yeah. so much. <laughs> that was awesome. Great. Thanks so much for having me. This was a great conversation. <laughs> have a great day and I talk to you soon. Bye, man. Great. Maybe. Take it easy, Pete. Ciao. Cheers. Bye. So that's it for Maggie and Pete today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
If you want to find out more about Metropole, check out metropole.at. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Repeat.